but I just want to open uh, allowing Amber really to introduce herself and then share with us just the core of what you do and what Home of Hope is. Okay, thank you guys so much for having us today. I made a joke earlier with the first crowd about us being from Arkansas, but there's a lot more of y'all in this crowd, so I'll leave <laughs> Well, we that finally be. won a game, so we're all excited this morning. <laughs> Don't hold it against me. Um, yeah, so my husband Jake and I are originally from Arkansas. We just moved uh, to Houston last year to help with Home of Hope. Um, but really, me getting involved with Home of Hope starts, um, it's one of those things where you know God just had his hand on your life the whole time and you can look back and say, oh, there's, there's a reason for that, or that's the reason yeah. I went through that. And in my life, I see a lot of that that's gotten me to this point. But um, I was actually adopted um, as an infant and um, adopted with two of my biological brothers and sisters. My parents did foster care growing up. And so I actually grew up with eight siblings um, in our home. Our, our vehicle was like a big red church van looking thing, and that's what I learned to drive on. So <laughs> that was real cool going to high school. In. Um, so that was my family. And so I just always had this desire growing up that, I, hey, I want to foster and I want to adopt because I was so thankful and grateful for how God had his hand on me um, in my life in that way. And so I met Jake and I told him really early on, like, I want a big family. I want to foster kids and adopt kids. So that's not what you're feeling. We can cut this short real quick. And uh, he decided to get on board, smart man. Um, and so... <laughs> We initially, when we got married, we decided like, hey, let's have one or two kids, adopt one or two. You know how you have your own plans and you tell God what they're going to be. And then God's like, that's not the plan. Um, so we actually, we struggled and wrestled a lot with infertility, um, tried for several years to get pregnant and could not. And so we decided, you know what, let's start um, fostering now. And really that's how God has created our family. And our four kiddos are adopted, um, three of them from the foster care system. We fostered for five years, had 20 kids in and out of our home during that time. And so during that season of life is what I, when I really learned like what abuse and trauma and neglect mm. look like, um, what it looks like when kids don't have people caring for them and looking out for them. And especially when they do have people in their life that are supposed to be caring for them and they're the ones that hurt them or they're the ones that are not protecting them and keeping them safe. And so um, from that... Um, you know, I've known Pastor Don and Susan since I was in high school, which is um, a really long time ago when they were pastoring in Malvern, Arkansas. So I've known them for a long time. So when they got the call to take over Home of Hope, they called me right away and asked if I'd be interested in um, coming to help run that. I knew my heart for kids and just serving the vulnerable. And um, so <clears throat> I talked to Jake and we're like, let's do this. So we moved in the middle of the pandemic. We moved to Houston last year. Mm. Um, I've been officially on board with Home of Hope since March of last year. Year we moved to Houston in June and so um, the four kiddos are here if you see them running around or and they've been in service so they're probably giving them a really hard time now that they know the ropes back there by, by now um, so anyway so home of hope what we do is uh, we're a residential treatment center, but we are a home on 39 acres. So we're a seven bedroom house that sits on 39 acres. We have offices there and also an education building. The girls go to school on campus, but we take girls in who've been sexually abused, sex trafficked, um, sexually exploited. And we provide not just their basic needs, but hopefully get them to understand spiritual needs yeah. and um, understand the love of our heavenly father. So um, they live with us. We provide them care 24 seven, getting to the doctors, um, getting therapy, um, all the things that they need um, on a day-to-day -day basis, just making sure that their needs are met and, and hopefully that we're pouring into them a spiritual covering. We are uh, long-term care, so a girl could come to us at age eight and stay till she's 18 if there's not a better fit or place for her to go. But on average, we look to have our girls in our home six months to one year. We're really intense, really intentional program, and we hope to get those girls to a place of some healing, some coping skills, really just get to a better place where they can maybe go to a foster or home or be in a more therapeutic environment for them. Um, we know and understand the importance of family and being in a home, and it's really important that kids understand that and that they know that they're worth a family, um, no matter what's happened to them or um, in their past. So that's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, and that's the ages that we serve and how long they're kind of with us. So we often tell you whenever there's an opportunity to give, specifically if you're married, don't give without your spouse or apart from your spouse, but allow them the opportunity. You know, whoever is affected by your finances, allow them to give along with you, not apart. Don't, don't just give apart from them. Um, but uh, even though we say this, Megan did not practice this. And so she went 
to this, which she knows I'm okay with, but I'm like, hey, cool, whatever, because she watches our finances. I'm like, send it. I don't care. So she goes to the Shine Conference, and she comes back. She doesn't say hi. She's not like, what's for dinner? Um, get my bag. She just comes in, and she says, hey, I'm letting you know we support Home of Hope every month now. And so I said, for how much? Actually, I didn't, I didn't even say how, how much. I said, what, what's Home of Hope? Cool. You know, what, what is Home of Hope? And so you've defined that. But what I wanted to give you the opportunity to do and ask Amber to share here is what stood out to you at the conference? Like what gripped your heart to just immediately dive in to not just support this ministry, but to be a part of this ministry? Well, obviously, you can just hear Amber's heart and just her vision for this ministry. And it was birthed in her way before God even get, showed her what she was going to be doing. Yeah. And so I think what stood out to me is she kind of she kind of touched on it a little bit. But yes, they fulfill their needs, but they also, there's a restoration process. Oh, yeah. And each staff member that they have has a place in that. And so what does the day-to-day, -day, the week-to-week -week look like? Like, what does that look like for them in the restoration process? Yeah, so our girls coming in, um, they know, and you know, this might be foreign to, to some of you or not understand kind of the process, but as we've developed a process for our intakes and girls that come into our home, we felt it really important to let them know right up front, we are a faith-based, faith-driven organization. Yeah. So we're letting you know who we are right off the bat. If you want to come to uh, be a part of our program, just understand the expectation of we go to church on Sunday, right? We have chapel, the staff that we hire are faith based like they have a salvation walk right they know what their um what their walk with the lord looks like they're strong in that faith um and so we make sure that those girls coming in understand that now that doesn't mean they come in arms open wide right ready to listen or receive mm. um, but they at least know the expectation before they come into the home and so we make it a priority that they know yes we're meeting those needs and yes we're here to take care of you but there'd be none of this apart from jesus yeah. and healing real healing is not going to come apart from jesus so so from our equine therapist to the therapist they deal with, we make sure that everybody involved in that process understands the foundation and the center of all that we do. And it is Jesus. A lot of times these girls may not um, realize their need or even understand their need. And I'm sure we all can relate to people in our own life who they may not understand their own need and realize you know, where they're at. Um, but we really make it an intentional point to make sure that they know there's a reason behind what we do. And really we can't find healing and we can't walk this road with you unless we're able to walk it with jesus because yeah. he's the reason that we exist so that's kind of our mission the girls go through individual therapy group therapy if there is family involved it's a healthy connection we do family therapy with them um horse therapy equine every week lots of art therapy i say we have glitter and paint for days because art is a really good coping skill along with the punching bag that we have set up um that's also a good coping skill we found out much better than the tv that's taken its look a time or two um so just helping them understand right that and for all of us it, even and i'm sure we may have family members or people that we've dealt with where when there's a lot of trauma there's a lot of hurt there yeah. it doesn't come out in the healthiest of ways and so the reason that we even as we started um you know revamping home of hope susan and i really sat down like we have to determine our why mm. and i hope everyone has a why statement for your life like mm. why do you exist What's your why for yeah. being here? And so we wrestled with that for a little bit and finally came down to we exist, Home of Hope exists, because we believe that every child is worthy of hope and a future. Mm. That's why we exist, because every child is worthy. And that helps us on the days when behaviors don't make us think they're worthy, right? Mm. We have to remind, we look at the wall, we have it really big, they're worthy. They're still worthy, yeah. even in those moments. And for us as children of God, there's probably times that we act a fool mm -hmm. and Jesus is still up there saying, they're still worthy, mm -hmm. they're still worthy. Mm -hmm. um, and so for us, just a reminder of that, that um, I mean, it's a journey, it's a process for us to be intentional with them, but making sure that on a day-to-day, -day, um, we do have staff round the clock, 24 seven, staff are awake, checking on the girls physically every 15 minutes, even during the night when they sleep. Um, just making sure they're safe and okay because a lot of our girls come in with some self-harm tendencies, yeah. just a lot of stuff that goes on. And so um, we have to be really safe, obviously, and secure for them in those ways. We're gonna get into some of that a little bit more in a moment. I just, I hope that you heard, there are statistics out there that 90% of born-again believers cannot tell you their purpose. Okay, we can tell you where we came from, 
uh, the three important questions, where, where did we come from, why are we here, and where are we going? And, and most believers, Christians, can say where we came from. We believe that we were created imago Dei, in the image of God, which is what the only thing that makes us worthy, right? So we get that. And then we understand where we're going, like heaven is our home, come Lord Jesus. But why are we still here? Why has God saved us? Why has he set us free? And if you can't answer that question, then I want to challenge you to begin to seek God on your purpose, legitimately spiritual purpose. Why are you here? It's more than earning a paycheck week to week so that you can uh, afford all your debt. It's about more than that. You have a divine purpose from God. And when you discover what that is, <laughs> you're way more likely to operate in it. We're going to come back to that. I want you to give us some of the numbers. I want to make sure that everybody understands you minister to a very specific age group um, and an and affected group. Okay. I, I want you to describe some of that and then tell us some of the numbers, like specifically just three hours from us. And I'm sure that those numbers are in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and New Orleans as well, and probably even around here. But just help us guard ourselves a little bit. Yeah. So um, trafficking is one of those things that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. Um, but if you start looking into it, doing some research, it's um, quite probable that there's trafficking going on in our own backyards. Um, and that was something that really, as I was learning about this, um, when Susan approached me, that I didn't realize because my reference had been like the movie Taken, and I just thought, well, that doesn't really happen here. But that's mm -hmm. not how it happens here, yeah. but it happens. Um, and often what we see, especially with the girls in our home, is um, them being vulnerable and exposed a lot on social media a lot online um, and I always kind of warn and caution parents please know what your kids are on please know what apps they're getting on who they're talking to yeah um, I've used this analogy before but it's so good you would not open the bedroom window of your child's bedroom and just let any stranger come into that room but when you give them that phone that window and you let them get on any app you're letting any stranger any spirit any anything come us. into their life yeah. and so we have to be guarding them and be protecting them um, and so a lot with the stories that we've seen of our girls they're vulnerable and exposed often because they maybe are from the foster care system there's a statistic that 70 percent of those trafficked are actually foster kids wow. because they're vulnerable they're left exposed there's not someone that's being that safeguard to them and so even in this room i encourage everyone find someone in your life that needs a person that needs a mentor that needs a support because often if there's just one good solid support in that kid's life they're going to make it mm. but when these kids have nobody or nothing they turn to whatever the world's offering and yeah. whoever's handing it out and so these kids get kind of down a road that they don't realize and a lot of these girls that's what's happened they've been befriended by someone online pretended to be a friend to them and over the course of time things have really turned and now they've got a lot of information, they've gotten a lot of stuff, they can blackmail them, coerce them, and force them to do things that they wouldn't normally do. So the exploitation, the trafficking, the sexual abuse, all of that um, really started, it didn't just start right you know, at that moment, there were steps that right. led to that, and things that needed to have been, interventions that needed to have happened before that. But in the state of Texas, um, the statistics show that there's 330,000 people who are trafficked annually and 25 percent of that are minors so about 75,000 minors in the state of texas houston is the number two city for trafficking so about three hours from here the number two city for trafficking um, and those stats i mean just are pretty underreported also because kids don't self-identify they're right. not coming and saying they're being trafficked and even girls we've gotten in our home and you can read the stories and like their legit investigations, like they were pulled out of clubs, like they've been trafficked, those girls will still say, I wasn't trafficked, I chose that. A child didn't choose that. Mm. That wasn't a choice that they made. So oftentimes these kids don't realize why, what's happening and what road they're going down before it's too late and then they feel trapped and like they can't get out and that's exactly what trafficking is. It keeps them in bondage and it keeps them held down. So then they don't feel that there is hope or a future for them. Yeah. Um Man, I, I can't stress, we talk about it a lot, right? But I can't stress enough the importance of being not afraid, like don't not go to Houston. Well, I'm not going to Houston anymore, no. That's not, not afraid, but aware. The awareness, 
when you expose the enemy, he can't, like, when you shine light on it, he can't operate. He operates in the darkness and in the ignorance, right? We were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so becoming aware of, of what children, and when we say children, I mean 18 and under. <laughs> Hang on. When does the government get to determine when someone is or is not an adult and or still your child? If they in your house, they, they are your child, okay? You paying for their stuff, then you can dictate what they do with their stuff. I'm just saying right now. Now, I'm, I'm just still there, okay? Well, you can't do that. Oh, I bet. All right, so anyways, if God, come on, if, if God has given you authority over an individual, you are called by God to operate in that authority over that and alongside that individual. It's very important that we operate in that authority. If we don't, then we leave the people whom we are in authority over exposed. Yeah. And I think that we need to wake up in that area and, and, and being more cautious and being more aware. Um, give us some of the early, the uncomfortable. I know that you guys were in financial debt. Like this place was closing down. The owner was going to take back the land. Um, give us some of the early uncomfortable things and then compared to what God has done and who and how he has provided. Yeah, early on, it was really rough. And even now, honestly, we walk by faith month after month. It's, Lord, you bring in the finances or we're not going to be here three months from now, four months from now. But mm -hmm. he always sends it in right when we need it. And so we, it's been a walk of faith since day one. Uh, but early on, just the land, the facilities, really praying through like, God, you know, why is it such a struggle? Is, it, is the landowner going to let us keep it? Is he going to take it back? He, um, we just pray that the Lord would soften his heart, and he did end up letting us lease the land from him. He took um, about 20 acres back. Originally, there was about 50 acres, 59 acres, and now we have 39 that's um, that Home of Hope has been operating on. So just the hiring of staff. Um, we're in the middle of nowhere for a reason. We're a very remote location and undisclosed address. Um, so just finding good workers who will make the commute, who will be dedicated. All of the startup was such a process and in the middle of 2020, right? Yeah. So not the best timing, but Lord, you have your way. So praying through just all those struggles. Um, and, and then early on, we really made it a prayer. The board and the staff um, administrative team really like, Lord, a year from now, will you just just put it on someone's heart to just pay off the land and the mm -hmm. property. $1.1 million is what we owe. Just put it on someone's heart to pay that off. Um, Houston's a big city. There's lots of people with money. Someone can write that check and never miss it, right? We were praying all these things. And within four months, the landowner came to us and released us of our debt. So we no longer owe the $1.1 million, free and clear. It's home of hope. So. Hey, if you're going to pray, you may as well pray yeah, audaciously. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I know a guy that wrote a book called Audacious Prayer. You may as well pray that. Yes, yes. I think that's incredible. You know, when God sees us to something, he's going to make sure that he sees us through it. So that's so encouraging. Um, what is your, I want you to share your, I don't know, your coolest story of restoration that you have seen in one of the girls that's come okay. through. Um, so my favorite probably is a, actually a young lady who was a private placement for us. So girls could come to us through the FBI referral, detention center referral, CPS referral. They could also come from mama or daddy picking up the phone after realizing this has been happening to mm -hmm. my daughter. So in this particular instance, um, that's what happened. We had a mom who was trying to find help for her daughter. She was Googling on the internet, trying to find a home, a place like ours. They're from South Carolina and she happened to come across Home of Hope. So mom flew her daughter to Houston, um, checked her in with us at Home of Hope. Uh, we found out um, pretty quickly that her dad actually lived within an hour of the ranch and she had not seen her father in quite some time. Her parents divorced when she was younger and there had been a bit of an estranged relationship with them, um, a bit of a fallout. And so after realizing her dad was so close, she made the ask to reach out and to reconnect with him. And so through that process, we were able to provide family therapy for them, for, for the dad and for the daughter. Um, and actually when she graduated our program, she actually moved in with dad, who's a worship pastor at a church. And so just being able to see the cool ways that God put things in motion and orchestrated things from using Google, right, to using Home <laughs> of Hope to bring back together um, a father and daughter. Um, it's just a really cool thing and a cool process to be a part of. Hey, I know you guys have a lot of services. You have chapel, you have counseling, you have a very holistic approach. Before we get to some of the counseling side and the numbers and what's required, could you give us like the most transformational testimony of an individual? I know you can't share a lot of the specifics because we're talking about minors, but, but the girl that came in, 
and, and what God did in that service, in that chapel moment with you, with Pastor Susan, some of the fulfillment that you've seen as you've been planting so hard over the last year. Yeah, it's been uh, sowing, sometimes not on fertile ground, it seems like, right? Um, but for us, just with these girls coming in, there is, I mean, I just can't even tell you the the stories of what these girls have been through um, and you read through it. I've sat at my kitchen table and cried more times than I can count of just realizing like this actually happens mm. to people not that far from me that this should never be happening to anyone but let alone a 15 year old. Right. Right, or a 16-year-old, and especially by people who she's supposed to trust. So reading these stories and knowing we've had a lot of our, the girls come in and the things that they say that we hear quite often is like, this is the first place I've been where I feel peace and I feel like the people actually care about me. Wow. And that's step one to restoration and yeah. healing. If you can't feel safe in a place, and actually when the girls come in, we have a program that they go through, it's called the Steps Program. And the very first 30 days is all about felt safety. Mm. If you can't feel like you're gonna get fed and feel like your environment is safe and all those things, your needs are gonna be met, you can't go past that, right? right. Well, you have to, at least that part has to happen. So it's all about that. Um, felt safety and making sure that they feel that. And so to have these girls, and especially, um, you know, we've had one girl in particular that just a horrific story, people that should have been protecting her and keeping her safe and work. Um, going through, we had chapel every week. Miss Susan would do chapel sometimes or staff would do chapel. Um, and having just really cool things of like, what is, you know, write something you're thankful for. What does the name, what does, Jesus mean to you and to be able to start seeing these girls to relate to like what does it mean to have a heavenly father mm. like a good father yeah. not one that abuses me or uses me but what does it look like to have a good father um, and to be able to you know have worship music on and them start understanding the words of the song or being able to say them without having to read the sheet anymore just to be able to see those little nuggets of hope being put into them and the spiritual concepts that they honestly most of them know nothing about you know I take for granted sometimes that like everybody just knows who Jesus is and knows the stories of the Bible, but these girls, a lot of them don't. They don't have any spiritual foundation. So to be able to see them to come, you know, from that really, really, you know, dark place to understand there is light, there is hope during those services um, is just a really cool transformation to see. And for some of our girls and in a lot of them, that doesn't happen like it doesn't happen like that. It's such a process yeah. because just because I tell you, trust me, believe me, I'm here to protect you. They've been told that many times mm. and it didn't happen that way. Right. So I can't just say it, I have to walk it. And it has to be consistent because these girls have been, if they're 16 years old, they've, they've been basically going through abuse and neglect their whole life being let down and used and needs not being met. And so I can't expect to undo that. And we, we don't expect to undo that, but God can do that. In a yeah. moment, he can totally change a person. And sometimes he chooses, it's a walk it out. It's a mm -hmm. process and we hold their hand and we walk with them. But every girl coming in does know, like we're, this is who we are. We're spiritual foundation. We're biblically based. And to be a part of our program, it is holistic. It's mind, body, soul, and spirit that we have to address and meet the needs of. Um, and so that's kind of the process for us and being able to see the transformation of them, just understanding like there is a good father and what does it mean to have a walk with him is really awesome for us. Yeah. We said this opening, I don't remember this service or last, but to get them off of the street, out of the hands of whomever they've been in, and into the arms of Jesus. And you are the venue that does that. And by the way, if you want to find out more, even more about them than we're able to share in just a 30-minute window, you can go to Home of Hope Texas, Home of Hope Texas. Dot org, and you can find out more about what they do, how they do it, as well as there, which is something that we're really interested in uh, as we edge closer to celebrating the fact that Jesus came, um, is a wish list from the girls that they have currently there. And this was just a, another statistic that came to mind as you were sharing some of the things um, about Houston specifically and in that area. I remember reading, and I I can't remember exactly what book it was, but that the pornographic industry, the multi-billion dollar industry that that is, and, and how many are addicted and stuck 
in that specifically. Uh, one of the things that I read 15 years ago that it just absolutely nauseated me was that 40%, and I'm sure the number is higher than that again because who confesses that or who even realizes that they're in it, but 40% of those girls are trafficked into that and they're stuck in that lifestyle. So to be able to be a part of, an, uh, of a ministry that, that doesn't just feel bad about it, but does something good about it um, is, is very interesting for us as a church, which is why we don't do this often. We Honestly, we only do this once or twice a year where we give three services and, and an entire Sunday to a specific ministry. But we're doing that because of the effort and the energy that you put in. Okay, So I know that... It's more uh, of, of planting and sowing incessantly than it is necessarily just reaping this great harvest over and over again. And you guys have only been open for a short amount of time. And when you open, go ahead and speak to those things. And then how many girls do you have versus the staff that you have um, and how that whole process works? Yeah, so we have been open since last September, so a little over a year. And we've served 18 girls during that time. As I mentioned, we are a home. And so we um, keep our number smaller for couple of reasons. One, that's a lot of trauma. And then I say a lot of drama. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to stop you real quick because nobody even responded to that. It seems like we're kind of lulling them a little bit. She just said that over the last year and a half, she has taken, this ministry has taken 18 girls, 18 minors out of the hands of a pimp and into a safe place where Jesus can actually do something significant. That's a moment that should have struck us a little bit. Okay, go ahead. I just wanted to make sure <laughs> that they heard what you just Yes. Um, and so when we take them um, in and be really intentional with them, right, and we try to do that, and that's one reason why we keep our numbers lower at a time. So until a girl graduates out or if we decide they're going to another placement that makes more sense for them, we don't just overload the house. Yeah. Um, also because of staffing. And, and actually a, we were in a place not too long ago where we actually had to say no to some girls because we don't have enough staff, mm. um, which is really difficult place to be in because you're like, I want to help more, but we can't afford to to get our staff to a breaking point, right, where they say, I cannot do this anymore because it is really a hard fight sometimes. You are in the trenches, um, spiritual warfare, like I can't tell you, obviously, and with those girls, um, the things that they've been exposed to, and then we're trying to bring things to light and talk about peace, um, but there's a lot of turmoil there, and for me, especially just, you know, having, sometimes I feel like, Lord, you know, are we doing any good? Are we making any progress? Because these girls need help, but they don't act like they want it or need it, and recently, it's like the Holy Spirit just reminded me, you know, Jesus was out healing, but he healed the ones who asked. Yeah. People came to him and asked, but on his way to the one who asked, he probably passed 10 or 15 who needed it. Right. Right. And so there's sometimes is a point, And if anyone in this room is struggling, maybe with like a family member or a person. And sometimes when I say these things, I speak out of my own personal, like family experiences in my own life of like, you want it so bad for someone else. Mm. And we wrestle and we try, and we are called to intercede and stand in the gap but we can only take a hand so far. And so if you're at a point of, of discouragement or struggle, I just want a, a little bit of release of like, Jesus does the healing. Yeah. That's what Jesus does. We play a part in that and we help people along, but we can't drag them to the feet. Yeah. Because it won't be real, it won't, right? We need them to want to walk to him and say, I need help. And for these girls, that's what we are doing a lot is getting them to a place of realizing, like, there is a better way. There is, like, I can be successful. There is a road for me to go to college, you know, to do what I want. When we interview these girls before they come in, we ask them, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Yeah. And we remember those things when they come in the home. You know, we remind them of those things. We let them know we know. There was one girl that we have in our home right now, and... We did an interview with her, asked her some questions. So the next time I was at the ranch after she came, I called her by name. I mentioned something she said in the interview. She's like, how do you know my name? How'd you know? I said, remember I was on the call. She's like, yeah, but how'd you remember? Like, I care enough to remember the yeah. things that you say, right? And so just the little things that we can do along the way to let them know, like, they are loved. They are cared for. Um, and sometimes that's hard when, you, when there's nothing on the other side sometimes in those moments because that stuff's coming up during therapy, right? And then them dealing with, like, just this safety and understanding like I can lay my head down at night and go to sleep here like that's new for me this mm. is a new experience for me um, so for us being able to the staffing we have to have around the clock um, we have 13 direct care staff so 13 people who work directly with our girls 
We always, at a minimum, have two staff on, even though state requires a one-to-four ratio. So we have to have at least one adult for every four kids in their home by state requirement. But due to the nature of what we do and the behaviors and all the things, we never want one adult alone. And so we're always staffing at a minimum of two round the clock for our girls, hours 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we never close. And so our biggest need is, is staff, like literal staff, we need more of them. Um, but also, I need to be able to pay my staff better. Right now, this day and age, they can actually make more at Chick-fil-A, which is the Lord's chicken, and I do love it a lot. But I want them to feel really blessed by what they do at Home of Hope right. and not struggle with, like, but I can go down the road here and make more money. Mm. Um, and so that's just where we are. We have really committed and dedicated and wonderful staff. But I need to increase staff, the numbers. I need to increase pay as well to keep them because they're worth it. They, Like I said, they can make more at fast food, but they stick around because we see the value um, and we want the girls to see their own value. You, right and what we're doing so yeah go ahead you sound like you another no 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 okay. I want you to go <laughs> Amber I want you to share your heart your vision for the next year like what burdens you what keeps you up at night share that um, the staff for sure is one um, needing more staff but also um, in this may or may not happen in a year i mean we saw how quick god just said okay 1.1 million done um but right now like i feel like sometimes i'm just living like the day-to-day -day, like lord give me the strength for like the moment and the day to know how to do what you want us to do so that we can be here tomorrow or a year from now yeah but we have dreams you know we get calls quite often from um minors who are pregnant and we're not licensed to take pregnant minors and so i would love to have another home on the property eventually that's for pregnant teens who've been trafficked or exploited and have decided they want off the streets and they want to keep that baby in be a mother so for us to be able to have a place for them eventually is kind of um, one of my dreams um, also just tangible things that we need that I hope a year from now I look back and say like we've moved on to something else but like awnings between the buildings which seems silly but it rains a lot out there and our girls are like running between buildings or it's flooded so I'm like I joked earlier we need a physical covering we got spiritual covering pretty good but <laughs> physical covering from the rain and the elements between buildings um, and then just practical things like right now there's not open sight line from the kitchen to the living room there's a wall there and so we need to knock the wall down and reconfigure the kitchen area to just be safer to provide better and adequate supervision um, so there's little things like that and projects um, that we need done all the time but those are two big ones specifically and then of course like building a home in the future for for pregnant teens would be an awesome one because right now when we get calls I just kind of have to do my own googling and find out like what there is but I don't know them I don't know if they're spiritually sound and you know I don't know necessarily right. who I'm referring to but I'm just trying to get them a safe place um, so for us to be able to meet that need would be awesome I, I think it's so important that we hear what happens to an individual if there's not someone that is a representation of Jesus in that person's life. Um, I don't, don't remember exactly or, or even if I care to share, but I think it's so important that men and women of God begin to actually seek out the opportunities with the people that God puts in our path that, that maybe expand our circle a little bit more, expand our, our spiritual parenting. I, th I think we've almost lost the significance of one-on-one -on -one discipleship. You said you have three children right now, and, and the tendency is would, would be for somebody to say, we, we only have three children. No, no, no. You have, you have three right now, and you have a staff around the clock specifically equipped to minister to these three. What happened to the significance of just being willing to do what God, whatever God told us to do with whomever he put in our path? It is so significant that men and women of God provide non-sexual physical touch to a generation that is that is seeking a place that, that they would provide a, a, a safe haven not just on a Sunday or a Wednesday but like no 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 you can come to our house we will protect you we will keep you in the presence of God we want to be a part of your journey I'm not too busy to make sure that you know Jesus this this is where our heart is in this um, and the reason that I think that God laid it so heavily on our heart, the way that he did to have you, um, I, want, I want you to share, and then I'll take it and, and we'll wrap up this morning, but I want you to share what we can be praying for specifically. 
because I know it's, I know it's frustrating um, unless you know your purpose and you remember your calling and you define your why and you point to it a lot, which I wish we had more time to talk about. But I have a feeling that Pastor Susan is going to talk about tonight at six o'clock if you're not too lazy to miss it. And so uh, if you come into our empowerment night tonight, I think that she'll address some of that. So how can we pray? How can we pray for you and your family and your staff and those girls and the dreams and visions that God has given you? Yeah, I definitely will say um, for our girls particularly, just praying for um, soft hearts and just openness, yeah. right? There's such a wall there that's been put there for good reason. Honestly, they had to learn to protect themselves hmm. to shield things out, to learn how to cope in their own way. So praying for softened hearts and openness to the gospel so that they hear the good news. Um, you know, I want our place when, when girls come into our home that all of the chaos turns to peace. Hmm. And all of their struggle turns to rest and all the trauma turns to healing. But most importantly, that all the lostness is found in the Savior, mm -hmm. that they find a Savior who loves them and cares about them. So praying for the girls, praying for our staff, those who work directly with our girls on a day-to-day -day basis. It's a, this industry in particular, it's a high, high turnover rate for direct care staff because there is a lot of, lot of giving and not much getting taken from, right? Like there's not reciprocation of that effort mm. in any way. So we have to tell our staff a lot, right? It's all about mindfulness, checking your own stuff at the door, being ready to serve and minister to the needs of these girls in the home, um, but then also helping us as administrative leadership. Now, how do we pour into our staff though and fill them back up, right? Because they're pouring out, pouring out. So making sure that they're filled up and encouraged on a daily basis. So direct care staff for our girls. And then just financially, um, the struggle is real, y'all. <laughs> Um, just knowing that we are going to be taken care of, like, yes, Lord, Hang we're on, definitely going to be here. It. I'll ask it. I, I, I serve in the position and the authority to ask the question. I, wanna, I, want you to, I want you to say the number. What does it cost you every month to keep this open? $75,000 a month to break even. And that's, and that, that's because of what the state yes, requires. I was say in order that, woo, that's what I do every month, too. Um, but that is also the reason <laughs> why there's not a lot of homes for minors that reason it's yeah. it's the cost it costs a lot of money and so when you look at it you're like okay $75,000 a month you've had 18 girls I mean it's worth it for the one but looking at that that's a, a lot of the reason um, there's a lot of homes actually for adult trafficked women because adults are much different than minors right it, you don't go through the licensing stuff that you go through because you're serving minors so that's the reason that there's not a lot of minor homes that that right there. So $75,000 a month um, in order to just break even. Um, and so for us to be able to have the, the staff capacity and also with that number, I wanna get to a place when we do have CPS referrals, the state does pay just like a foster kid. There's a yeah. per diem, right? No way does it come close to covering the amount. But I wanna get to a place where I don't need the government money. <laughs> Cause I also wanna be in a place where I don't need to do what you tell me to do, <laughs> right? Cause it's coming, I'm afraid, where there might be some things they request or require and I don't wanna have to say yes to that. Mm. So I want, I want our organization to be financially and spiritually backed up by the church across mm. the US. We should be the ones providing the social justice to these kids who need it. and providing the healing and providing the avenue to Jesus and making sure we can do that in any way that we need to do that. And so that's really our heart and goal is like, Lord, right now a third of our budget basically comes from state funds. I want to get to a place where zero comes from state funds and it's just supported and back so that we can continue to do what we feel like God's called us to do. Well, I, I believe that we're supposed to be one of those churches. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't like asking. I'm not even good at it. Like, I don't like asking people for help. Uh, I've had to learn because this church outgrew us quickly. I've had to learn how to delegate. I've had to learn how to hand things off. I've had to learn how to ask for help. And, and I don't know, I can't tell you the last time that I sat in this pulpit and asked for money at all in any area um, because I know that it offends people. Oh, there it is again. He's money hungry. No, no, no. If we were money hungry, we'd be doing something else for a living. I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> um, that's, that's not why we do what we do, but these things do cost money. So this year in April, I was praying about what to do in November. In fact, this afternoon, I'll be praying about what to do next November because that's just how I think. I'm not trying to look past you. I'm just thinking beyond where I am excessively and almost obnoxiously. Um, but, but last year, I was asking, and I, I went to district council, 
and I said in the Fire Bible Initiative, and God gave me a big number, $25 a Bible. Felt like we were supposed to buy 400 Bibles to hand out to pastors in their Haitian Creole language so that they could have Bible college in a study book, right? Right there. And, and our missions director for the state of Louisiana, Gary Sapp, is going to go hand these Bibles out. These are real people that they're going to hand the Bibles to. And we're halfway there. They're like, praise God. Oh, nope, that's not, it's not a Christian song. Um, but, but we're halfway there, and, and I'm grateful. And I thought I had it figured out. Anybody ever had something figured out and God scoffs or laughs at you like, ah, yeah, you were, you were, that was one of them. Because then we went to CT Church, and I knew about Home of Hope because we support it monthly. I'm not asking you to do something that, that we're not willing to do ourselves. But we sat in the conference, and Amber, it was, it was five minutes. It was, just, it was a five-minute window. It wasn't the focus of the night. It was a five-minute window with you and Pastor Don and Pastor Susan up on the stage, and you just shared your heart. And I heard the Lord. Now, it wasn't audible. I just heard the Lord say, have her. Like, God, no, you, you are, we'll, we'll do that next year. It's going to be good, and we're going to bring her in 2022 because we already have the initiative that we're doing this year. Because every year, if you've been here with us through this process, you know that the weekend after Thanksgiving, which is supposed to be a lull in attendance, right? Because people are full and, and tired and, and still full. And so they have a tendency to sleep in. So I was like, God, what should we do the weekend after Thanksgiving as we prepare for Advent, right? That Jesus came and he's coming back. What do we do? And he told me five years ago, have a missionary in, have, have a missions project, have a ministry, a representative in a ministry, come in and give them the stage, share the vision with the church and give them an opportunity to actually give thanks, not just say, but, but show. And so the first year we had Miss Donna Ingvall, she said, U.S. Assembly of God missionary, and she works in New Orleans doing something very similar to this. And, we brought her in and she shared her heart. And on that Sunday, we gave, this church gave enough to revitalize her vision. And she has told us on several occasions, like that day refreshed me. It rejuvenated, it reminded me why I'm in New Orleans. And you did that. Today, I wanna to do that for, for Amber and Jake and I wanna do it for Home of Hope. I don't know how much it cost, I don't know how much it costs to hire another staff member. I don't even know the number, but I want this church to do it. That's what God laid on my heart in that conference when he said, have them. So immediately we walked out of that session. I don't even remember who preached or what they said. We walked out of the session and I said, we gotta go find Amber because we're supposed to have her at our church because I wanna give our church an opportunity to connect to this ministry. See. We don't go out and get another job. We don't work after hours. We, we, we do, but we don't get paid to work after hours. There's not another project that we can take on. Like, this is it. This is, this is what we do. This is what she does. But you can. And you may not be able to go and do what she does. And you may not be able to become a staff member over there. But many of us are about to spend a lot of money, come on, on people that already have a lot of things that they're going to forget about by the time they open the next present. What if we were the ones that purchased, that bought, that supplied the wish list, that provided the peace, or paid the staff member, that we were able to add and double the number of young ladies that they currently have in this home? What if we were the church that brought in enough money on a Sunday that we were able to call on Monday and say, hey, Amber, build the awnings? What if we were the church that had knocked the wall down? Knock down the wall. Well, the contractor is on the way. Well, we'll go knock down the wall. No, no, no. It's, it's got to be legal. It's all state covered, okay? That's, I can knock down a wall. It's me too. What, <laughs> what if we were the church? What if, what if what God had you give today was the finances for a girl that is currently currently right now locked in a room well man that just got no but it is real for somebody and you hold the provision 
Like we keep praying for God to send and to do and to give. And God says, well, you're my resource. And right now today, you hold the answer to, to that prayer request. Maybe it's in the form of finances. Maybe it's in the form of monthly support. Maybe it's a one-time offer. I don't know what it is. I just know that I want to be a part of this. Like I want to be that church. I asked the Lord, how do I have her in? How do we share this story and do the all-important, the most important? We even prayed for it this morning. God, how, how are we going to reach the one person in the room that's not living for Jesus today? person today that's not currently in right relationship with the Father. And then the Lord reminded me, we have this hope as an anchor that leads into the inner sanctuary, the place where God's presence is, and you can experience the peace of God. So I say to you before I pray, before you give anything else today, give Him your life. Give your life to Jesus. He had us mold this entire service around this moment so that you could hear about the hope that he has for you as well. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes today. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would blow through this place this morning. God, right now I pray that you would lay amounts on our hearts that we can give today or we can give monthly. God, that we don't just support this ministry, but we provide for this ministry. God, I agree with Amber's prayer right now in the name of Jesus that this thing would become church funded, not state funded in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that this thing would become kingdom funded, not government funded. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would lay it on our hearts and that you would begin to uh, multiply and open doors of opportunities for other venues to partner with and provide for this ministry. God, that they would be able to double their staff and therefore double the amount of children they can bring in to be protected, saved, and equipped to go out and accomplish the call that you have for them. Lord, right now, I pray for the one person in the room. God, the one person listening online who has drifted away from you or doesn't know you as their personal Savior. And God, right now, I pray that they would surrender. That they would call upon the name of the Lord. That they would give you their life and never take it back again. If that's you, I want to invite you right now, very simply, to just ask God for forgiveness. Ask him to cleanse you and save you. To believe that Jesus Christ gave his life for you. So that you could have relationship with his father and him. And right now, I encourage you to confess him as Lord. To give him your life or give him your life back. Say something simple like, Lord, take my life right now and make it yours. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. God, we pray these things together as a church in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can you give God praise today? If you call this place home, there's several ways that we give here. You can give through the envelope system. You can put it in the offering box on the wall on the way out. You can give online. You can text to give. You can come by later this week and drop it in the box outside of the office or, or come inside and give. And another way is that you can connect with Amber and Jake at their table in the back before you go. They've brought some merchandise with them that you can purchase. And you can also take a card with them, fill out that monthly gift, and you can give to them directly. Again, homeofhopetexas.org. You can give to them directly on a monthly basis, or you can give to us as a church, designated missions-home of hope, and we will send that money. You can do either one of those, and uh, you'll get giving credit for that. So again, I said this in first service, before you just give cash, put it in an envelope. Put your name on Well, I don't, you don't got to give me credit. I'm not going to give you credit. The government is going to give you credit. And if you don't want that money, then when they give you credit, you can bring us back that money too. Okay, we'll take all of that. But go ahead and, and write that down so we can earmark that and put it in the appropriate place. 
Um, before you go today, I want to remind you about two things. One, we have a water baptism celebration in the student center. We have several candidates ready to profess publicly that they have confessed Jesus as Lord of their lives. We have several that are getting ready for that after our third service. Invite you to come back for that. Um, also tonight at 6 p.m., I'm telling you, you're going to want to be here tonight. A spiritual mother of this house is going to be here to invest in us and pour her heart out for us. I can promise you, you will be blessed by that. Before you go, if you will, stand with me all over this place. Jake, I want to invite you guys to come up. I know every week I ask you to open your hands and, and receive, but this Sunday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to stretch your hands. And if you're born again and, and you believe in Jesus today, I want to ask you to use your voice to pray a blessing over this couple. And let's just reciprocate the presence of God in this place today. Don't just listen to me pray. Come on, cover them. Intercede on their behalf right now. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would cover this couple children and their children's children. God, charge your angels over them. God, prepare a way. God, make a way. Lord, I pray that you would anoint them to accomplish what you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would protect them from the enemy. In fact, we just rebuke the devourer on your behalf in the name of Jesus right now. And God, I pray that you would bless them and minister to them. God, minister to them and their staff as you equip them and anoint them to minister to the minors, the, the children that come into that place. God, equip them. God, ordain them. God, may, may they be more fulfilled than they are frustrated in the name of Jesus. May they find the joy in every single journey. God, even the ones that don't end well, I pray that they would remember that it is the planting and the watering that is our responsibility. But the God of the harvest needs laborers like them in Jesus' name. So God, bless them and bless them with more laborers. God, we pray for a flood of provision, a flood of resource, supernatural provision, supernatural favor in people and in finances. God, I pray that this thing would be kingdom supported and kingdom provided for. And God, I pray that you would continue to give them vision and help them to dream beyond where they are. God, right now, I pray across this room that you would bless us and keep us and as you did for Moses on Mount Sinai, that you would make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, lift up your countenance upon your people right now. And I pray that you would give us your peace. God, that surpasses all understanding. Holy Spirit, empower us to be an example for you in these days for any and every person that you put in our path. Anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways, to follow Jesus with all of our heart. It is in his name we pray today. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, God bless you and thank you. Go visit their table. Before you go, we'll see you tonight.